It's never been easier to communicate with people, but it's never been harder to know which platform you're supposed to communicate on. Here's a simpler solution. With call, meet, and message all in one app, Ring Central makes communication easy. With all that connectivity in the palm of your hand, you can work from anywhere with anyone at any time and never miss a beat. Because when it comes to communication, simple is better. Learn more at ringcentral.com. Ring Central, simpler communications. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. This is the MD's Fantasy Football Show with Dan Maynard. Giving you the X's and O's of all things fantasy. Welcome back, MD Nation, to the show. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We're back for week two, baby. We're back for week two. Second week. Second week. We had a pretty good week overall here with the MD's Fantasy Football Show last weekend, even with all the curves and mishaps and all the things that usually come with any NFL season, especially week one of the NFL season. So we're here going to be breaking all down for you as we move into week two. What do we do moving forward with all of these players today? As we preview the Thursday night game, as we preview all of the early Sunday games, as always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join here at Chris Dauhauer. We're live on social media at Show and on YouTube. Subscribe to the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. If you have Roku, make sure to download the Fox D network. You can actually kick back on the couch and listen to us there. Or tonight from 6 to 7.30 p.m., Unhinged Radio on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. But first and foremost, Chris, how are we doing today? I'm really excited that MDs is having second week of the show, but I'm a little disappointed that Urban Meyer is going to have a second week in the NFL. Um, after yeah. you know, hearing him turn down the job in USC, he's not interested. I really had my fingers crossed, like, dude, you got to go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. With, way to jump into it right away. Well, if you didn't catch the pre uh, the recap show, make sure you go back on your favorite streaming app. You know, on iHeart, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spreaker, we're, we're available everywhere. I talked a little bit about that on the recap show that after that showing against Houston, the fire needs to be under Urban Meyer, even in his first game, because that was a pathetic showing. And it looked like a team completely unready, a team that, while young, has more talent than a Houston Texan team does by far. And that was an absolute abysmal showing. But we'll break down what that means for fantasy football purposes and betting as we go through, because that's what we do. We're going to give you some bets as we get through these games, give all of our fantasy football rankings. I was up very late last night getting them all in for the week. Of course, they'll be changing throughout the week leading up until Sunday as we get news and we keep you updated. But we're making sure you have the edge. Make sure you have the right players in the right situations, your starts and sits. Utilize that tool on bellyoffantasysports.com. Before we jump into the preview game, I actually have two things I want to do before I jump into the preview game. First and foremost, tomorrow... Typically, we're on from 11 a.m. to 12.30 p.m., but tomorrow we're going to be on 
at 10 a.m. The reason being is we got a special guest. We're going all the way across the pond, across the Atlantic, to bring a very special guest in for you guys, Murph from Five Yard Nation. Some of you probably know him. He's a statistical wizard, uh, one of the top fantasy football podcasts in the UK. He's going to be coming on with us tomorrow morning. Uh, and I'm going to try to do more of that for MD Nation and help you guys out by bringing in really smart fantasy football guys, especially on Friday, since Chris isn't able to do it with us on that show. So we'll kind of open it up as a free range of guests that we may try to do a week to week, every other week. We'll see exactly how that all pans out, but we'll be doing it every so often anyway. So tomorrow, remember, we'll be on 10 a.m. on social media at Belly Up MDFF Show and on the YouTube channel. Very excited for that. And then the other thing is that we have a little bit of breaking news. It's not injury news. <laughs> Breaking news. So all of you may have heard this probably by now, but half the Saints coaching staff, especially on the offensive side of the ball, went down with COVID. Now, here's the good news. From what I'm understanding, most of them were vaccinated, if not all of them were vaccinated. So if once they're able to test negative, they'll be able to be back pretty quickly. And outside of Michael Thomas, oddly enough, it doesn't seem as though anybody else really had to get put on the COVID-19 list. Correct, Chris? Yeah, they have no base, nobody else to report in. They did um, say over the summer, Sean Payton said his entire staff was vaccinated. So hopefully they'll be back sooner than later. The benefits of being vaccinated in the NFL this year is that there's just a way less of a, a time restriction on you to be able to come back from this type of a situation. Remember, they're they're all over, the Saints are all over the place in particular. They had to go to Jacksonville for their game. Who knows, and so how new, who knows how long it's going to be before they're able to play in a Superdome. Uh, this year with all the stuff going on with the Hurricane Ida. So hopefully that'll get situated. I'm glad to hear that sounds like it won't be detrimental to your teams, detrimental to your fantasy football teams this particular week. Again, Michael Thomas, the only one. It was already in your IR anyway. So we're good there. The rest of the news will go through as we match up these games because most of it's injury news. Not a lot of major injury news that we will. I should say this. Not a lot of news that we're unsure of going into the week. We pretty much have a clear cut idea on most of this. That's the good news. But we'll go through that as we go along. Chris, last week we had a tremendous Thursday night game. We had Tampa Bay and Dallas and everything that that was. Then tonight we have your prototypical Thursday night game where it's like eh, outside of fantasy, outside of maybe being a fan of one of these two teams. I don't know how excited I am about this game tonight. Yeah, if you're not an NFC East fan, this game's going to be a little bit tougher to watch, definitely, than last Thursday's game. Um, I think we got spoiled watching that game and its excitement and the kind of offenses going back and forth. This game really sets up to be the total antithesis of that in a lot of ways. you got two quarterbacks, basically, that have, haven't really shown you anything week one. Um, and off, Both offenses kind of struggled week one as well. So it's going to be really interesting to see. Is this going to be a slobber knocker game? Is this going to be kind of like, you know, a 10 7 game where we actually get some decent scoring, hopefully? Yeah. I mean, you, Ryan Fitzpatrick, he's out for at least the next eight weeks. Taylor, Taylor Heineke comes in. Chris, put the, put the odds on this. What are the odds that Ryan Fitzpatrick never takes over the starting job again? I think it's going to, really going to depend on where the Redskins are. I think that there's a lot of pressure for them to make the Washington playoffs football this year. Team, brother. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> Apologize. Yes. Yes. The, the horrible name that they still have. <laughs> the Washington football team. Blah. Um, I think it really depends on where they are playoff-wise. And there's a lot of pressure on Ron Rivera and the team in general to kind of get back to the playoffs. If they're struggling and they're not doing well, I think you're going to see Fitzpatrick get a shot back in there. If they're on a bit of a roll, they're you know they're in contention for a playoff spot. I don't know if he does get the job back. 
I don't think Tyler Heineke is a, a big drop off in talent wise. Um, he might be a little less aggressive, but I think you're going to see, you know, pretty much what you saw the last, you know, out of the Redskins last year and really didn't see anything different out of Fitz the, you know, week one anyway. So it'll be really interesting to see how this kind of unfolds. Well, that's why I completely agree with you. I don't think this is a huge drop off. Now, yes, Ryan Fitzpatrick is going to be known to be a little bit more aggressive, which you like fantasy purpose wise for Terry McLaurin in particular. But my fantasy value for McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, which is really all this team is worth anyway, nothing really went down for me with this change to Tyler Heineke. Yeah, I 100% agree. I mean, I think that you really don't see, you're not going to really see any guys kind of change what they're going to do statistically. Maybe McLaurin doesn't have as big of a game. But even so, Heineke, he's not a guy who's kept in check down out there either. So he will be yeah. kind of more aggressive. Um, and he's got a little bit of legs. So, you know, he's definitely not a fantasy play necessarily, but I think the receivers or running backs don't suffer at all. Yeah. And I mean, if you looked at that game last week, now Washington's never going to be a world beater when it comes to offense, like, at least not at any point this season. But you like what you kind of saw a target share wise. This is going to be Terry McLaurin as far as wide receivers go. Even when Curtis Samuel comes back eventually in a few weeks because he's still on the IR. I don't see him getting a significant share load. So that's where I am not of the belief that Terry McLaurin, you know, decreases his value in any kind of significant way. He's always been a wide receiver too, despite terrible quarterback play. And while Ryan Patrick might've been the best quarterback that they've had, Taylor Hanicki might be the best quarterback they've had second to Ryan Fitzpatrick, frankly, of Terry McLaurin's career. So I'm not ultimately worried about this at all moving forward for them. Moving for Logan Thomas, the one who got the touchdown to begin with. So Logan Thomas, your tight end. You're not worried about him. And I'm not worried about Antonio Gibson. Love, love, love the volume Gibson saw last week. Yeah, you saw him involved in the passing game and the running game. So it's definitely exciting to see this guy kind of utilize. We expected him to come out of college. Um, he has a wonderful floor. He's got a great opportunity to have another good game tonight. And I think the one person that might benefit with Heineke as the quarterback might be Logan Thomas. I think you might see a little bit more volume to him as a result of the new quarterback play. Yeah, I don't disagree with with, with that at all. And I want to go back to Antonio Gibson real quick. So I, I love that they he played the featured role. He had the main ball carrier, which we expect that, that part to be. But he also had more targets than J.D. McKissick. The one thing I'm a little leery of playing time-wise, McKissick was still out there for 20 snaps. It was still not a dominant snap load for Antonio Gibson. So my question to you, Chris, what do you think about that? Does that lead to the volume later on, or was it just McKissick happened to be out there, but because they didn't utilize him when he was out there, you're ultimately not worried about Antonio Gibson losing his workhorse back role? Yeah, if you really look at the kind of you know the snaps that were taken, basically J.D. McKissick was playing predominantly most of the third downs. That was the big difference. That's where he was getting most of his snaps. So that is a little bit concerning. You know, you were kind of hoping Gibson would kind of be out there for all three downs, but it still really hasn't materialized. Now, McKissick wasn't necessarily involved in the passing game as a result because he probably uses more for pass protection purposes. That means Gibson's still probably struggling with that aspect of his game. Um, but you did like the fact that they were throwing the ball to him in the early downs, so it's not like a, you know, a, a Jacob situation where you're going to get basically just praying this guy gets the ball for once in a while, but you're going to have a situation where he's probably going to get four to five catches. He just won't be down out there necessarily on the third down plays. Yeah, that was, uh, that was a crazy game on Monday. We'll talk a little bit about that, too, as we move along. So I love this matchup. The Giants don't have a very good defense, especially against the run. The only guy I'd be a little bit concerned about, I guess, would be Terry McLaurin because he's going to probably see the Bradbury matchup. Does that mean Taylor Hennigan decides to go to other options outside of Terry McLaurin? I still think he comes away with the most targets at the end of the day. You're still playing Terry McLaurin. I believe I have him in the wide receiver, too. 
uh, territory this week in particular. Uh, you started, you, you draft him to be a top guy. Again, this doesn't affect his value. The downgrade there at quarterback is not significant enough to affect his value. I have him at wide receiver 23 this week. Any concerns for Terry McLaurin this week? You just hope the rest of kind of move him around because we do know Bradbury You're is killing, one of the better. You're killing me. Washington football team. Pleh. Sorry. Blah. <laughs> you hope the Washington football team moves him around offensively. Um, I think that's going to be the key. You know, Bradbury is one of the better corners out there. He does need to have a good week one, despite Giants not, you know, doing the best on defense. They are very good style against the run. So he is something that you're going to have a little bit concerned if he's just kind of locked up on the one side of Bradbury. But if the Washington football team's creative using him and maybe able to kind of move him around a little bit more, I think he has a chance to still have a good floor and have a, you know, a decent game. Yeah, I'll say that. That was the one thing about that Chargers game I noticed is that he didn't get moved from the slot to the outside as much as he typically does. Like, usually he's a featured guy within that offense, even with last year with Scott Turner. So it's not like the coaching staff changed too much. I do wonder if that changes a little bit this week because they need to get the offense going. I mean, they were they were putrid last week, so I wonder if they will try to feature him a little bit around. They need to if they want to get him away from James Bradbury. You line up on the outside, you make it all that much more easier for Bradbury to shadow him. You got to get him in the slot a few times. Uh, again, Curtis Samuel not going to play for a few more weeks, and you know everybody else is just kind of a guy. I mean, I like Diami Brown and what he might become, but he's just there to be an outside guy to stretch the field. So they got to really get to featuring McLaurin a little bit more. Antonio Gibson, I am very, 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 very big on Antonio Gibson this week. I have him ranked at RB7 coming into this week. Again, it's a great matchup. Last week against a better defense in the Chargers, still got over 100 total yards. The only thing he really didn't do is score for you. Again, you like the fact that he was targeted the most. We'll be leery about the snap count and the situations. Jaden McKissick's coming in, but coming out of week one, heading into a plus matchup here against the New York Giants, you have to feel good about what Antonio Gibson, what his floor is, and a potential high ceiling game for him as well. See, I have a little more concern maybe than you do. I do think the Giants' defense is one of the better run defenses. Now, we didn't necessarily see that because, you know, Melvin Gordon had a great run last week. But other than that, the Denver running game wasn't super effective. They were pretty stout against the run for the most part. They had one of the better, you know, run stoppers in the middle with a Lawrence and different linebackers with Blake Martinez. So it's something that I think he's going to have to be utilized in the passing game because I do think that's how you attack the Giants' linebackers particularly is through the passing game. So I think he has a little bit less of a ceiling maybe. But I do think he has a solid floor because we, you know, as we talked about him being involved in in both the passing game and the rushing game is really important for him. I want the truth. You can't handle the truth. Yeah, I hit the debate button there. I totally disagree. They're good against physical runners. They don't have speed. That's the one thing Gibson has. They do not do well against explosive running backs. Efficiency-wise, I agree with you. They did a good, a good job for the most part besides Melvin Gordon breaking that big run. But the Giants give up are amongst the top in giving up big runs to teams, which is where I think Antonio Gibson might flash for a big play in this game. Yeah, I think, I mean, he has opportunity to with that speed, absolutely. But I also think you're going to have Leno and um, CM Cozy, who really struggled last week, matched up against, you know, bigger guys that are going to be able to kind of push them in the backfield. So for me, it's going to be more interesting to see, is there penetration in that backfield from the Giants defense? And do they kind of, you know, keep their, their, their edges? I mean, I do agree with you that you can attack them, especially with some speed. But we haven't really seen the res- Redskins weren't, damn it, uh, the Washington football team really wasn't uh, attacking the edges last week. They were really kind of trying to be more of a physical team versus the Chargers kind of surprised me. So I'm kind of interested to see where they adjust accordingly. Chris is an old head, and it's hard to teach an old dog new tricks. Yeah, I still call <laughs> the Raiders as Oakland, so yeah, I, I, 
Plus, just give give me a real name. The Washington football team just killed. Well, I, you know, I, I think that's more the key. If we had a real name, it wouldn't be so difficult because of the football team. It makes it more difficult to move on. I don't disagree with that at all. Uh, Logan Thomas actually comes in, and I'm not. I haven't been big on Logan Thomas coming into the year. But to your point earlier, I do think the quarterback change actually does benefit him a little bit here. Again, a good matchup against the New York Giants. I have him as tight end five, as you guys saw on the graphic if you're watching live. But I'm a tight end five this week. Yeah, I think that's a great play. Um, you know, Noah Fant had a nice game last week versus the Giants. And then you also saw their backup tight end have a touchdown as well. So you definitely can attack the Giants, especially the safeties with your tight ends. And I think Logan Thomas is going to kind of be that security blanket for hanging to keep. Um, and I think that you're going to kind of see him and Gibson you a lot in the passing game, particularly in the middle. Moving on to the New York Giants side of the ball, uh, Daniel Jones, I know he wound up finishing the top 12 last week. You're not going to stream him this week. So we're going to skip over him. The guy I do need to hit this button for. For those of you who might be new to the show, that's our bust alert. Shouldn't really be a surprise. A bustler's on Saquon Barkley. Saquon is coming in at RB29 for me this week. Uh, just not excited about the usage. It's a, it's a short game. We know, we know he, he's not going to be unleashed tonight. His, his snap count's not going to be unleashed tonight. His usage is not going to be unleashed tonight. And it's a tough matchup against a Washington football team going up against what we got to see on full display against the Denver Broncos being a horrendous offensive line so until he's getting his full workload particularly in the passing game there's just a very low floor for Saquon Barkley and you know what if you benched him this week I wouldn't blame you yeah I think that's definitely an interesting matchup particularly like you said off the short week um you know Austin Eckler was pretty effective last week versus this this Washington football team's defense um but they, they also I think you talked about the volume and I think that's been the question all week they already basically come out and say he's not going to be unleashed. He's not going to get a full workload. And as a result, you really question whether or not he's, you know, there's even questions whether he'll actually play tonight still. They still haven't officially said he will play. Um, so, yeah, I think if you have another option that's better than him, I think you could definitely throw him out there. Um, he's not, you know, if you, if you drafted him high enough, a lot of teams aren't going to really have that option. But it is a guy that I wouldn't necessarily be hoping for too much. Now, having said all that, if he could actually, we talked about, you know, the speed of Gibson. The speed against Redskins is also damn it against the Washington football team is also something that you can um, it's killing me. The Washington football team is something that you definitely can attack as well. While they have good pass rushers, they aren't great against the run, particularly on the edges. Their linebacking course, you know, is still kind of questionable. I love the D- Davis kid that they drafted, but he's still a rookie. So I do think that there's an opportunity for him a big play that will be kind of crucial. Will even limited snaps he's out there, will they kind of give him a chance to not you know just be running up the middle all the time? Here's what we're going to do. We're going to make a, a little jar. And every time yeah, Chris messes up a team name, whether it be the Raiders or the Washington football team, we're going to put a dollar in a jar. What we'll do is we'll donate that. We'll, we'll donate to charity at the end of the year. We'll make a game out of it and make it a good, for a good cause. But we're going to make fair. a little jar from here on out and put a little dollar in every time Chris mess, messes up. It's going to be it's going to be fun. Definitely fair. Um, yeah. Look, you might not have a better option. And really, his draft capital is the only reason he comes at really 29th for me at the running back position. He's still in, in, a, in an RB3 situation. It still only takes one play with Saquon, ultimately speaking. So that's where you have to give that little bit of room. He can catch one screen and take it to the house. I thought physically he looked okay to me. He was able to cut. He didn't, wasn't thinking about it too much. So from that standpoint, when the matchups get a little bit easier, I do think Saquon could be Saquon. And I'm going to add this caveat. 
after tonight's game, if he wasn't a buy low candidate last week, and I know that he was because I got sent some crazy trades for people picking up Saquon Barkley for pennies on the dollar already, you'll really be able to get him for pennies on the dollar after tonight because I guarantee you it's not going to be a great performance. So look out for that as a potential buy low candidate. Saquon Barkley is still immensely talented. I do worry about the offensive line, but matchups will get easier. They're not going to play two good defenses like this back-to-back the Denver Broncos and Washington football team every single week. I do think there's a I still had Saquon Barkley ranked, I believe, at RB9 and half-point PPR leagues coming into the season. I still believe he can finish as a top-12 running back this year. Buy low on him after tonight's game. That'd be my big advice. And if you're part of MD Nation, you have him, keep him. You don't sell players with pennies on the dollar here. Not with this group. Uh, as far as the wide receivers are concerned, I don't really want to play anybody if I could help it. I know Sterling Shepard came in last week. He was the number one guy in that matchup against the Chargers. I have Kenny Galladay ranked at wide receiver 36, Sterling Shepard ranked at wide receiver 29. To illustrate this point, this is another reason why I wasn't big on Kenny Galladay coming into the year. Sterling Shepard has always been Daniel Jones' number one target since he's been in the league, if he's healthy, just because he operates in the part of the field where Daniel Jones wants to throw the ball. That's short over the middle. Evan Ingram is going to be out again tonight, opening up that part of the field again for Shepard. And as long as Saquon Barkley is limited, that also plays to more targets for the role that Shepard is in. He's a wide receiver three for me at best here. I'm not excited about trying to play him. I'm not expecting another 100-yard touchdown game, but he is a viable option this particular week, a low pickup that you can go to. And as long as he's healthy, he might have a safe floor, especially if you're talking about half point and full point PPR leagues. See, I'm a little more excited about the outside receivers in this matchup. He's going to see a lot of Kyle Fuller. Um, and Kyle Fuller is one of the better slot corners in the NFL. And I think that's going to be a little bit harder for him to kind of get open versus I do think there's opportunity for the outside receivers. We saw Mike Williams kind of have one of his better games and it was featured a lot, you know, for the Chargers last week versus this defense. Um, I do think you can attack that second outside corner. It'll be interesting to kind of see who that will be. Will it be Slayton? Will it be Galladay? You know, I know you're not a big Galladay fan, but he wasn't horrible last week. So he had 64 yards still. He had four catches. Slayton was the big interesting one to me because he had seven targets. Will he continue to be involved in the offense? And one of those two guys I think could have a nice game. It's I'm not sure which one is going to be kind of depend on the offense and who, how much, you know, Jason Garrett's kind of moving his guys around and where he's lining them up at. Um, but I, like I said, I think people ran out, kind of hit the waiver wire a little hard to try to get Shepard. I necessarily wouldn't, I wouldn't be excited to plug him into my lineup necessarily this week, but I don't think he's a horrible play either. Yeah, he was on, he was on my waiver wire report on Tuesday's show, but I also mentioned I wouldn't waste a priority on him. I wouldn't waste fad budget on him. There's still a guy who has trouble staying healthy. And it's ultimately a Giants offense that I don't want to trust. Kenny Galladay eventually is going to have to be the number one target just because they're going to have to justify paying him the money that they did. And I think they're going to, course correct that in the scheme at some point during the year so something i'm kind of looking out for but i would like to go in other directions if i have the opportunity to do so both shepherd though galladay inside of my top 36 for this week darius slayton is always going to be like i just don't think you're ever going to know when to play darius slayton and that's going to be the problem with him he's going to he's kind of like the third man in that rotation right now he, I, he had a nice showing he has some big play capabilities but again, never a guy you're going to know when to play. So I don't think he's really in the conversation here. We're talking about 12-man leagues like we generally speaking are. But what I want to do now is I want to take a quick break. We'll get a word in from our sponsor. Come back on the other side. We have a lot of early Sunday afternoon matchups to get through. So everybody stay tuned on the MD's Fantasy Football Show. And we'll be back right after this. Your client's going away for 10 years. Unless. Unless. We swap first round picks. 
Fantasy football draft season is upon us. It's time for you to put the PP back in the PPR league with the sponsors of today's show, Manscaped. The leaders in below-the-waist grooming just launched the new Performance Package 4.0. Don't neglect your balls like the Packers front office has been neglecting Aaron Rodgers. Join the 2 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped and get ready for kickoff by going to manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping with the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY. This will help you team that Troy Palomalu in your pants. And good news for our international listeners. Their life-changing products are now available in Canada, the UK, across Europe, Australia, South Africa, and Singapore. All with the 20% off and free international shipping when you use the promo code BELLYUPFANTASY today. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back in, MD Nation. You're back on the MD's Fantasy Football Show on social media, at BellyUpMDFF Show on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel. Make sure you check us out on Roku at the Fox D Network. And later on tonight, we'll be on the Unhinged Radio Network from 6 to 7.30 on unhingedsn.airtime.pro. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, joined here with Chris Dowhauer. We just talked about the Thursday night preview. We have early Sunday afternoon games to go through. But first, Chris, we actually got to go back to that Thursday night game real quick because I got to give the betting lines for that. Right now, it's minus three and a half for Washington. Uh, the money line for the Giants, if you're interested in the Giants, is plus 150. The over-under is at 40 and a half. I say no bet. I'm not betting on this game at three. If, if Washington was at two and a half and you give me that field goal or if you feel like betting that game and teasing it down, I would maybe go that way. I do expect Washington to win this game, but this game very much could be decided by a field goal. That three and a half is what makes you come off of this game, betting it at the line. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. It sounds like the books are basically making a pick them, and I think it's how that kind of game unfolds. And I talked about the score. I don't usually we like to go on the overs. This game, I have no idea how it's going to unfold. It could really be an ugly game. Or because they're familiar with the chairman, there's one more explosion. But I wouldn't take that chance. I would try to pass bet on this game. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18+. plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner it's a division rival game on a thursday night anything can really happen when you have two teams evenly matched like they are right now so let's go into cincinnati and chicago joe burrow we had questions about what were you going to look like coming out of the gate were you going to be confident in that knee he did he was i know anthony barr wasn't playing for the minnesota vikings and that takes away a significant amount of their pass rush but he did not look hesitant stepping into his throws which was the huge key and then let's top it off with Jamar Chase getting over his case of the yips from the preseason, apparently. Yeah, I mean, that was wonderful to see for both guys. You know, we were, we were kind of worried about Joe Burrow, particularly the reports coming out of camp. 
and he really didn't get any preseason action. But to see him stepping into his throws, have decent velocity, he looked like he looked good out there, and he didn't look afraid at all. So I was definitely excited. And offensive line didn't play spectacularly either for him. So I mean, it was still good to kind of see him get knocked around and get some pressure, and still not be afraid out there. As for Jamar Chase, this is what we were hoping to see. We were kind of you know shocked that he was struggling so much. So it's now it's nice to kind of see this guy actually utilizing his talent because he's one of the best receivers in his rookie class. Yeah, uh, Joe Burrow coming in at QB 11 for me in this match against Chicago after watching Matthew Stafford be able to go deep on that team pretty consistently throughout that game. I expect Cincinnati have a similar plan of attack, so Burrow will have some chance to be a streaming quarterback for you this week. You can plug him in your lineups with some confidence. And on top of that, Jamar Chase coming at wide receiver 25, a very, very high-end wide receiver three. Both guys belong in your lineups, and I would go as far as to say I would also be comfortable playing T. Higgins this particular week, uh, too. Remember, he had to come out of that game a little bit because he was dealing with some cramping, got the IV, came back in. Uh, he's at wide receiver 28 for me. And I have Tyler Boyd actually at wide receiver 30 heading into this matchup. So all Bengal wide receivers in the top 36 are options. Boyd, obviously, more for that safe floor. He did get his targets. He was still very much involved in this rotation. But T. Higgins, Jamar Chase, the two that can take it 100 yards on a touchdown at any given moment. And the Chicago Bears, they just don't have the outside corners to really match up. No, I mean, they have basically one corner. They have Jalen Johnson, their rookie from last year. He's still, you know, still a second-year player, still a guy you can kind of attack. And as you pointed out, you know, the Rams basically exploited them, especially with the deep ball. They're really struggling on defense for the Chicago Bears. And I, I just keep going back to I cannot believe they cut Fuller to keep Jimmy Graham. So this team just basically is getting what they paid for. And what are they, you know, they have two young guys out there that they, they moved on from True Font in the offseason. And it was just, I, I don't know what's going on, but Chicago's defense is not what it used to be. So I think both those guys are great plays. And, you know, you, you talk about, boy, he may be in the sneaky play to kind of throw out there. The Bears made that move with Jimmy Graham not even playing much because Cole Komet, which should be playing well ahead, was actually the dominant starter, the dominant playing tight end in that matchup. Uh, Joe Mixon, obviously you play him. You got to love what you saw last week with the 29 carries being involved in the passing game. One of the few guys out there was a true workhorse. I mean, Samaja Perrine was involved, but very, very little. So Joe Mixon dominating the way. He comes in, of course, as a top running back for me this week at RB10 on the week. You feel great about what you saw. You feel great about what he looked like, and he was able to overcome what some people worry about being that bad offensive line, and then also take it to Chicago where Darrell Henderson didn't go crazy, wasn't a world beater, but was very effective in that game. Yeah, I mean, he had a solid game, and he was productive, but you just kind of consideration, Joe Mixon is a way better talent than Henderson is. And I think this team's built with more explosive players and kind of more continuity. So I think Joe Mixon is a great play this week. You don't necessarily probably see, you know, he's not going to go out there and go crazy, but I think he has a great floor and he's probably going to get what we saw last week. It's really excited for him to be RB1 all season long. I know this isn't going to happen, but come on, Matt Nagy. After, after last week, are we done with the Andy Dalton experience? Okay, fine. You threw Andy Dalton out there against the Rams. You didn't throw out the rookie against the fire. I get it. I understand it. You're playing Cincinnati this week. Can you just make the transition? Your offense is getting held back. Players are talking about how the offense is getting held back because Andy Dalton is under center and not Justin Fields. Just make the change already. If you're going to have him come in like this Trey Lance package in the red zone anyway, what is the point? Just play Justin Fields so I can actually bump up some of the guys that I want to bump up. I want to bump up David Montgomery. I want to bump up Allen Robinson. I can't as much as I would like to because I have to deal with Andy Dalton back there. Now, is the Cincinnati Bengals 
as far as mentioning David Montgomery and Allen Robinson go, you play him and you play him with confidence. Yeah, I mean, we didn't see Dalvin Cook have a wonderful game for the Vikings last week, but you saw Montgomery look really explosive, very exciting. Now you do have some concerns because he wasn't involved in the passing game. And while we're kind of, you know, moving on and changing quarterbacks, can we just have Nagy go ahead and just demote himself? Because that's pretty much what also the issue seems to be. Um, I, I read all week long about how, you know, Al Robinson and all the shallow routes he run, and they were kind of blaming, oh, it's the Rams defense. Oh, it's Randall against Ramsey. Or this guy just can't be a coordinator, and he just right. uses his play weapons terribly. Damian Williams has, was, did nothing. I mean, he had no explosion. He, he, he was involved in the passing game for why. I don't really understand. So I think <laughs> overall, um, you know, I think Al Robinson is definitely somebody you're going to roll out there. You're definitely going to play just by Montgomery. But you might not be as excited because Matt Nagy and Andy Dalton are holding his offense back in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was kind of a, it kind of felt like a, a a bittersweet thing for me coming out of that Sunday game because I said one of my big concerns, why had David Montgomery ranked around RB20 pretty much all offseason? Because I was worried about Damian Williams getting the targets of taking over at Tariq Cohen role, which did happen. However, on the flip side of that, David Montgomery looked fantastic to me. He was breaking tackles. He was running hard. You couldn't bring him down on first contact whatsoever. And he still ultimately got the volume that you want him to get as far as carrying the football. So while what I was worried about came true, I was also reassured by the performance that I saw out of David Montgomery and against Cincinnati Bengals. I know Dave, I know Dalvin Cook, you know, like you said, wasn't very efficient on the day. This is not going to be a very good run defense, I believe, for most of the year. David Montgomery coming in at RB18 for me. I'm with you. When Bill La- when when Justin Fields and Bill Lazor comes in. I'm going to be pretty excited about what this Chicago offense can do from a fantasy football perspective. Until that, they have to kind of get limited. And that until that point, I think David Montgomery is going to have to just stay a mid-level RB2 regardless of the matchup. Allen Robinson does come in at wide receiver 9 for me in half-point PPR leagues. This should be a matchup he's able to take advantage of. Unlike Minnesota, the Bears don't have a 1A, 1B at wide receiver. They have one, and then they have a load of crap after that. So Allen Robinson... Definitely the guy. You're definitely confident about his floor. This should be a game where he has an opportunity to score. So I do like him inside of my top 10 this week. Yeah, I mean, Trey Wayans is still out. And Bates is a great safety, but they really don't have any guys to match up with Allen Robinson. So it's somebody I definitely think you need to have out there. And then as the other receivers you kind of talked about, Cole Coleman could have a decent game, possibly. He could be involved more in the passing game. Other than that, I still wait, I'm still waiting to see this Mooney explosion that everybody's been kind of you know, talking about all offseason. Well, there's no chance for it to happen until Justin Fields takes over. I'm still curious to see if anything happens when he takes over. I think um, it's really interesting to kind of see what he brings to the table versus what actually the Bears utilize. So I think that's where it's going to get really interesting. We haven't really seen more than Al Robinson be utilized in this offense yet. So that's where I'm kind of, you know, I'm not going to play any of these other receivers necessarily for Chicago, even in good matchups, until I actually see some production. And just a quick thing, Cole Komet was on my waiver wire report. He is a potential pickup in stash because of the playing time that he saw, the targets that he saw, clearly ahead of Jimmy Graham. And it didn't look like Jimmy Graham was coming in to take over for him in the red zone. So somebody to keep your eye on if you're trying to stream tight ends. This game right now set at minus two and a half in favor of Chicago. Over under set at 40, I just had it up, 45 points this week. This is another game where I think I'm staying away from. Yeah, I mean... While we were probably we were impressed with Burrow and we were impressed with Chase last week, it's still a Cincinnati, still kind of you know a team that doesn't match up the greatest with Chicago. Expect the defense to be a little bit better than they were versus the Rams last week. They do have a decent pass rush still, so it will be kind of a game where I don't necessarily want to jump into this game, and, and I think it could be a pick'em game as well. 
Let's go down to Houston. Well, actually, this game's going to be in Cleveland, but let's go to the Houston-Cleveland game. Houston's about to have a reality check after their little, you know, Super Bowl win. I basically, that's what it's going to be is their Super Bowl win for the season. I mean, until they play Jacksonville again, I really don't think this team wins another game. But they're going to have a mean reality check against Cleveland, losing the way they did to Kansas City. Cleveland showing me really in that game, even though they lost, this is a very, very good football team. And they're, they're ready to play. I don't know offensively what Houston's going to be able to do. I mean, I, I think after last week, given his role, you still probably are rolling out there with Brandon Cooks in your lineup, but he is somebody who is going to be a bus candidate for me this particular week. Let me hit the alarm. I just think there's a real chance Brandon Cook, and not through any fault of his own, but he's got he's got to go up against Denzel Ward, who's a, one of the top corners. I know Tyree Kill went bananas last week, but it's Tyree Kill. He's got to go against one of the top corners in the NFL, and I don't know if Tyrod Taylor ever has more than a second and a half to throw the ball in this game. So I really don't know what Houston offensively is going to be able to do in this matchup. I know we talked about Mark Ingram being a waiver wire pickup. He has to. He couldn't be ignored because he had 26 carries as a running back. So that's the only reason why. But this isn't the matchup where you're going to try to play him. They're not going to be in a pro game script at all whatsoever. So if I can help it, I am not playing any Houston Texan, including Brandon Cooks in this matchup. I'm not down on Brandon Cooks. I understand the award can be a tough matchup, but because I give Houston actually respect for actually moving him around the last game and they have been lined up in the slot, they will kind of get him easier advantages. He is their passing game. If there's going to be anybody else, I might try to play sneaky, maybe in DFS purposes. It might be David Johnson, because to your point, I think this game script isn't going to be about them being up. It's going to be them being, being high by a lot. And he clearly was the pass catching back last week. So if you had anybody you want to kind of extra, maybe throw outside of Cooks into the lineup or maybe play somewhere, maybe David Johnson. Yeah, I'll, I don't want to touch it. I think Cleveland's I mean, going to really dominate this game. I, I wouldn't be surprised if Houston put up a goose egg in this game. That's the way this kind, of, this kind of thing is trending. On the Cleveland side of the ball, you're very, very excited to play guys like Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, even uh, Jarvis Landry, since we already know that OBJ will be out. I'm still not touching the tight end situation. They got a three-man rotation at tight end. There's no tight end. Unless people get hurt or traded or whatever, the Cleveland Browns, while there's some fantasy points being given to the tight end position, is not any one particular player. So that's kind of the issue there. So you're sticking with Nick Chubb. Sky's the limit for him. I have him up there at RB4 on the week. Kareem Hunt also makes my top 24 this week. I uh, love them both. You're playing them both. And Jarvis Landry, I ha- have him more as a wide receiver three heading into this matchup just because they're going to be able to run the ball, control the ball. I don't think there's going to be a ton of volume, but he will be the number one receiver while he is out there coming at wide receiver 31 for me this week. So that's what I'm looking to play on the Cleveland side with high expectations. Yeah, I think you're on something there. I mean, I, I definitely think you can play both running backs with confidence. And I would run out Jar- Jarvis Landry. While I agree, that I think the Browns are going to be up most of this game. One thing they kind of learned, hopefully learned a lesson from last week is don't take your foot off the accelerator. Make sure you keep scoring points. So I wouldn't be surprised if they continue to be aggressive as this game progresses. Baker looked pretty good last week, so I think they're going to kind of let him continue to throw the ball around. So I think Jarvis Landry has, definitely has a solid floor and could have a little bit more upside. Um, I wouldn't really touch anybody else in the lineup. I think there's some, there's some guys that could maybe explode from the tight end position. They just basically cannibalize each other, so it's not a position I want to get. Maybe one guy does do have a good game, but you have no clue who that's going to be. 
Um, you know, Joku had the better game last week, and he's the third tight end on the team. So you really can't really predict what's going to happen there. I just want to say before we move on from this game, I have to give Tyrod Taylor a lot of credit for last week because he played really well. Um, another guy that's still I'm going to play this week for fantasy purposes, but I do want to give him and, and the Texans in general a little bit of credit because we've been bashing them all season. We were pretty confident they were going to be 0 17, and they, they they gave Jacksonville an ass kicking. So I mean, I have to give them some respect for that. Yeah, I, I was happy. I've always been a Tyrod supporter. I've always felt he's kind of gotten a short end of the stick no matter where he went. It was good to see him perform well, especially after last year. Just the way that whole thing went down, it was good he got another opportunity to go out there in the NFL, play well. And I think the big thing, while we bashed Houston, we probably underestimated just how bad Urban Meyer as a head coach is going to be. That was my takeaway from week one. Uh, this game has a huge line, minus 12 and a half in favor of Cleveland. The over-under is actually set at 48. I think that might be a little high. I think I might take the under on that because I think it might be just all Cleveland scoring. But I'm going to, even though it's a huge line, I am still going to bet on Cleveland minus 12 and a half because I do think they are at least two touchdown winners in this ball game, maybe even more than that. I expect a blowout for Cleveland. So I am going to bet Cleveland minus 12 and a half in this game. Yeah, I mean, I think there's a good chance for that to happen, but I'm not big on necessarily when the, when there's numbers this high. I do think somehow sometimes in the NFL, they just manage to get that score close enough so they still, the bookies still win. They set that up. I think that, you know, it pretty fair. The points may be a little bit different. I agree with that. But I also think that there's opportunity for some, you know, garbage time touchdowns, garbage time opportunities. So for me, it's not a game I necessarily want to bet because I think the odds are set pretty well. The next game, I want to talk about the Rams and the Colts. This game has me a little perplexed because I'm a little perplexed about what the Colts defense is. I believe this is a very good defense. They didn't perform badly last week. However, the corners I thought would be a little bit. I know Xavier Rose didn't play in this game, but the fact that Tyler Lockett went off for 100 yards and two touchdowns and Russell Wilson threw for five touchdowns on 23 pass attempts, I believe it was, and DK Metcalf, you know, he didn't have as great of a game as Tyler Lockett did, but eventually did get his points by the end of the day, 60 yards and a touchdown himself. I do wonder a little bit about this being a tougher matchup for the wide receivers of the Rams, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup. Exactly what is this Colts defense? Or was it because their offense wasn't great last week? They got left out on the field quite a bit. It got a little bit tired towards the second half of the game because that Tyler Lockett touchdown, especially that second one, the guys, just, they didn't just put his hands on him. He got a free release, and he took it off all the way to the end zone. That was the big thing for me, which is something unlike what the Colts normally do. So as game has me a little bit perplexed on where I value these guys. But ultimately, if you have Robert Woods, you have Cooper Cup, you're playing him in this game. You have Darrell Henderson, you're playing him in this game. And Matthew Stafford, I believe, comes in as a top-12 quarterback for me this week as well. Yeah, and they both all, they all have a chance to actually blow up, depending on what the Darius Leonard situation he has in practice yesterday, hasn't in practice yet this week. So there are concerns that he'll actually be out there. Um, if he's not out there, that's the heart and soul of this, this Colts defense. So I think that would be gigantic for all those guys involved. Having said that, I'm with you. I think you Especially Henderson. Be, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think it's you can attack that middle even easier because they're playing so much cover three and cover two zone. Um, but I do think one of the things that you can, you can kind of bank on is you're going to see volume from these receivers all year long. I don't think you're necessarily going to be looking for the other the third receiver. Ben Jefferson's not a guy that he, he kind of only had two catches. You're not going to see a big bomb play probably particularly to him. But I think Robert Woods and Cooper Cup are always going to be guys you can throw out there. And no matter the matchup, are probably going to be able to get theirs because they move around so much. And they interchange the guys between the slot and the outside. They look for the matchups. And Matthew Stafford can make, you know, he can throw a guy open. So I think all those things make me feel like I definitely would play all these guys. I don't know their upside for everybody because I do think the Colts defense can be good. And I'm with you. It's kind of perplexing. 
know, there were tale of two halves last week. Uh, the Colts defense was basically didn't even realize there was a game, I think, in the first half, <laughs> and it was just touchdowns. And then on the second half, you know, played much better. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Seattle had, you know, eight straight um, three and outs. So it was really interesting to kind of see them turn it up a notch. Um, we're still quite in front of Xavier Rhodes. And one thing I would be a little concerned about for the Rams is that I, this, this Colts defense can get some pressure. So we don't know how good the offensive line. We do have questions about that line. So there could be a game where they can actually get some pressure on Stafford, maybe shake it up a little bit. But regardless, like I said, you're running out the running back and those receivers for sure. Yeah, Stafford. And Tyler Higby as well. Stafford, yeah, and Tyler Higby as well. Stafford is a top 10 quarterback for me. Darren Henderson, top 20 running back. Both Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, top 24 wide receivers. So I don't necessarily look at this as a game where you know they go off and they finish inside the top 10 of their positions, but definitely a game where I feel confident that I'm going to get solid production out of them. Matthew Stafford, I just... I know Chicago has a secondary susceptible, but I still don't think it's going to be a bad Chicago defense by the end of the year. Looked absolutely phenomenal in this new system. I also want to call uh, Collinsworth an idiot. I know, I know I'm not the first one to do that, but listening to that broadcast and just talk, he's kept talking about how he wasn't sure if Matthew Stafford was going to be able to handle the bootleg or have the mobility. I mean, Stafford's always been an athlete. I don't know, like no one in their mom has who has ever watched Matthew Stafford's always thought that he's only a statue back there, and it was driving me nuts during the broadcast because it just didn't make any sense. Like he's been around the NFL how long? You have you watched football the last you know how many years with Matthew Stafford? So I just made a quick note of that. It was ridiculous. I knew he was going to fit well in the system. He looked great in the system, which is why I have confidence in all these guys moving forward to Tyler Higby. You'll make a quick note of him. My top 10 tight end on the week as well. On the other side of the ball, we go to the Colts. And I, one thing that threw me for a loop, well, not just their defense, but offensively, Carson Wentz channeling his inner Philip Rivers when he goes 15 targets to the running backs. Now, I had my concerns about Jonathan Taylor because how involved was he going to be? Was Marlon Mack going to get that Jordan Wilkins role where he gets you know a few carries and Naeem Hines? Is he going to take away the ability Jonathan Taylor has to catch the ball? Marlon Mack wasn't involved, so you like that if you're a Jonathan Taylor owner. Naeem Hines was the main third down pass catching back, actually led the way with eight targets. However, if Carson Wentz is going to be Phillip Rivers, Jonathan Taylor gets to catch the ball in first and second down, I guess it's not going to matter because he walks away with seven targets in his own right. Now, Carson Wentz clearly was not 100% in that game. Seattle was doing a good job taking away the wide receivers so that a lot of the dump-offs were there. They were doing a good job getting a pass rush, too. The Colts' offensive line might not be as good as people thought it would be, too. That, that's another note coming out of that game. But what do you expect to see out of this offense as a whole uh, for the Colts against the Rams here back at home in another tough NFC West matchup? I'm very, very excited about the running backs because, like you talked about, even with the split, the different touches, both guys are continuing to be involved. And Taylor was throwing the ball occasionally, too. So it wasn't like, like I said, he's not, you know, Jacobs out there. So it was nice to see him kind of be involved. I, you see kind of a trend with Carson Wentz over the last few years. He likes to throw the ball to his running back. So it's not something I'm surprised by. And so does Frank Reich. What I was a little more surprised by was how vanilla and how unaggressive this offense was. If they're going to play the same way against the Rams, we're going to see a part two, what we saw with Chicago all over again. Because to me, the one thing you have to do against this Rams team is attack it. Otherwise, you're going to struggle because it's hard to get consistent long plays against this team that has a good front four, has good corners. Um, and I think you're going to see this Colts team, they're not going to involve Paris Campbell a lot lot more in their offense, is really going to struggle this week. So I'm not touching Carson Wentz. I'm not touching the receivers. I would play the running both running backs with, with confidence, though. Yeah, I, for sure, because I do expect the Colts to have to come back from behind. So you like Naeem Hines for that instance, and you're definitely going to play Jonathan Taylor, who comes in at RB15 for me. 
I probably would not play Hines unless I'm in a PPR situation because uh, he'll have some value definitely there. I don't have him inside of my top 36 as far as half point PPR goes, just because there's still a limitation on you know his touchdown capability, his carries, and everything like that. But he is a nice little sneaky play if you need somebody to be a fill in for this particular week, uh, given what the expected game flows to be. Yeah, I, with the contract that Naheem Hines got and a lot of the talk, I wouldn't be surprised if this guy is a solid flex play all season long. That's kind of why I'm more the confidence. Balance. I think he's going to be primarily utilizing this offense a lot. And I, like I said, we talked, we saw Boston Scott. We've seen different got running backs be utilized with Carson Wentz. He has, he has no chain checking the ball down to a running back. So that's where I do think you're going to see Hines out there and be consistently be involved week in, week out. It's the receivers I have a lot of questions about. No, and that, that's my one part about Taylor moving forward. Now, like I said, if Carson Wentz is going to be a, a captain check down, then Taylor may still get his receptions. He needs to give you that RB1 value you're hoping for when you drafted him. But it is very, very clear. Naeem Hines has that role. So it's going to be very game script pro on Jonathan Taylor. He comes in my RB15 this week. And the big reason why is the Rams defense is better than Seattle's defense. I don't think there's any question about that. So I think it's going to be a, a tougher matchup for him as far as getting those gaudy numbers that you're looking for. Obviously still a play, but outside of my top 12 this week, and Naeem Hines still has that safe flex play floor if you're in those half-point, full-point PPR leagues. Outside of that, I don't want to play any Colts. I mean, I'm not streaming Carson Wentz against this Rams defense, that's for sure. The only Colts wide receiver that even gets inside my top 48 is Michael Pittman at 46. I still believe he ultimately is should be the number one target in this offense. I know Zach Pascal was the one who got two touchdowns a week ago. That could easily change and switch back to Michael Pittman. But I'm not very impressed with the weapons of the Colts in general, especially not until T.Y. Hilton comes back, where I think more things kind of fall into place and in how they want these guys, what roles they want them to be in. But I'm not playing anybody else outside of the running backs for the Indianapolis Colts. They still have the three-man rotation going on at the tight end position as well to top it all off. We look at this game betting-wise, and I'm pretty strong on the Rams side. Minus three and a half. Again, you're kind of giving a discount because they're on the road. The Rams look very impressive to me. I don't think the Colts figure out their issues, especially don't figure out their issues on the offensive line after one week. I'm taking the Rams minus three and a half in this game pretty confidently. Yeah, I agree with that. That's the one thing. I think this game could be a bit of a trap game just because everybody's kind of just assumes the Colts aren't going to be any good this year where I had a really struggle last week, but... Having said that, I think it's clear that the Rams should be the better team. They look like they had a more explosive offense. And it's not a good matchup for the Colts. We talked about the lack of weapons kind of on the outside. And you have two of the better corners in the NFL. So it's going to be really hard for them to kind of get off in this game. And that offensive line, particularly at the left tackle position, is just atrocious. So you could see a lot of penetration if the Rams are aggressive. And I think this is what games doesn't set up well for them. So I do agree with you. I, def- I would take the bet on Seattle from three and over, three and a half over. Again, that's going to be the big key. I think that we need to keep our eyes on that Colts offensive line. Not going to be as good as we thought it was going to be. I want to get a word in from our sponsor. We'll come back on the other side. We still have more games to preview and a mailbag statement for you at the end. So stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. We'll be back right after this. The NFL is back in action, and so is winning season at MyBookie. With over $500,000 in contest prize money, winning season makes the big games better and the victories even sweeter. Head to MyBookie.ag and choose from a variety of boost contests and promotions up for grabs, highlighted by the crown jewel of winning season, the famed MyBookie Super Contest. And it only costs $10 to enter. Pick five games against the spread each week. 
each win earns you a point, and each point gets you closer to the grand prize. If you missed out on week one, don't even sweat it because entries are still open, and all it takes is one solid week to get you back in the mix. Don't just take my word for it. Join now and start your winning season with MyBookie today. In order to get you started, make your first deposit at MyBookie.ag and use promo code MDFANTASY to instantly receive double your deposit. That's double your money to double your winnings with your first ever deposit using promo code MDFANTASY. Bet anything, anytime, anywhere with MyBookie. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. We're back. We're back, MD Nation, on the MD's Fantasy Football Show, giving you all the previews for the early slate of games. We talked about the Thursday night game. We're talking about the early afternoon game. We still have a few more to get to, and of course, we'll have the mailbag statement for you at the end, which if you ever need to get on or if you ever just need a question answered, need help, just contact us on social media at BillyUpMDFFShow. It's also we're going live and on YouTube, the MD's Fantasy Football Show channel i'm dan mater joined here with chris dowhauer we are live if you want to comment into the show while we're going through we'll get to your comments too as we go through these previews as we go through these bets as we win you money and win you your leagues i want to come out the break with buffalo and miami last week josh allen was a bus candidate of mine one of my few correct calls on the week finishes a qb19 and guess what He's a bus candidate again. Now, things are going to get better for Josh Allen. I don't want Josh Allen owners of MD Nation to panic. I'm not off of him for the week. I still think even with two rough games to start the season, this guy can still finish in the top five of quarterbacks because he's still going to run around. They still don't care about the running game. They're still very much pass-heavy volume. It'll be there. But this is another good defense for the Miami Dolphins here. They showed it last week, and they're kind of similar to the way the Pittsburgh Steelers play. A lot of pass rush, and I would say this, while their passers might be not as top-notch as the Steelers is, their secondary is better. I have Josh Allen coming in here at QB 16 for me this week. I'm being even more bullish on the bust aspect of the potential that he has there. Stephon Diggs does not look like he has his full legs under him. Now, he was he was targeted a lot. You're going to be fine with him. You're going you're gonna to play him. I'm not trying to deter you from that but he does not look like he's quite in football shape. And I think to be expected with the amount of training camp that he missed dealing with the knee injury, but all that plays to, I think the dolphins are really going to be able to contain the Buffalo bills this week. Yeah, I think they have the potential to do so. I do think the key though difference is that that the defense for Pittsburgh has a way better pass rush than the dolphins, not a little bit better, way better pass rush. Um, while I agree the corner and secondary is way better for the dolphins than necessarily see Pittsburgh, 
you saw that this Buffalo offense really struggled to protect Josh Allen. And as a result, most of the guys, while they have a lot of volume, it was a lot of short passes. I mean, a lot of short passes. We also saw one of the things that was very interesting that we've talked about this offseason. Josh Allen had a lot of accuracy issues. If this is going to be good unfolding of him kind of returning back to his, you know, his normal days versus last year, um, it could be a, be a tough game for him. Having said all that, we saw Matt Jones have a pretty nice week versus this defense last week and his, his first start. Um, he put up 289 yards, only had 10 incompletions. They ran the ball really effectively versus his defense as well. So there's potential for Buffalo, in my opinion, to have a bounce-back game. I don't think this game's going to be crazy. I don't think you're going to get Josh Allen where he's going off. But I think Josh Allen has a solid floor. And I think overall, all the different receivers are going to be pretty solid for this game. Depending on who kind of matches up more and more with uh, Howard, you know, he's kind of the, the key shutdown guy in that secondary. Um, but we kind of see these guys kind of interchangeable. So I'm with you. I think Diggs isn't quite where he should be, and you're not excited necessarily from DFS purposes. He's somebody still going to having a lot this week. Um, and I think that all these guys can still be productive. The only question I'm really curious about is to see how this running game kind of unfolds. Will it just be Singletary again? Was it because of a, a, was it a, a, you know, a matchup thing versus Pittsburgh? Why Moss was basically, you know, didn't play scratch? Yeah, and he was, inact- he was inactive. But Matt Brady didn't really do anything to justify him being out there either. So it will be interesting to see, will they kind of commit to the run? Because like I said, Amy Harris was running all over that team last week. Last week so it's, but we it's, already know the answer to that question, as they won't. And that's my point, why this, <laughs> when they play good defenses with Josh Allen, that's why he becomes a bus can in these situations, especially when you have the secondary the Dolphins do. Now, they don't, they, you're right, they don't have the pass rush. But Brian Flores does a very good job, I believe, of blitzing to create that pass rush when you balance it out with the secondary that they have. And that's the issue. If you tell me the Buffalo Bills will actually run the ball, and they ran the ball effectively last week, by the way. Devin Singletary, 11 carries for 72 yards. He was effective. They won't give him more than probably 11, 12 carries in the game, even if he's the only guy out there. And as far as right now, the Zach Moss situation, we don't have a lot of detail to that. We don't know if they're going to have him be a healthy scratch again. What was behind that? Is he just not ready to ball? Did Devin Singletary just completely beat him out in camp? We still are looking for the answers to those questions. So we don't know what we're going to get out of a Zach Moss or Devin Singletary. If Moss, I'll just say this for fantasy purposes, if Moss is inactive, Singletary becomes a low-end RB3, a if you have to play him flex play that I'm not too excited about, but can have a, a decent floor if he's getting all the work there. But the that's the point. The Bills are one-dimensional going into these ball games, and that's what I think is going to be the tough part for Josh Allen, especially if he does look like what he did last week against the Pittsburgh Steelers, where he wasn't super efficient completing the ball, where he was back to being old Josh Allen. Like I said, I'm not worried about the rest of the season. And even though I have Josh Allen ranked at QB 16, if you drafted them, you're still going to play him. I'm not, I wouldn't bet if I'm a fantasy owner, I'm not going to bench him if I have him for somebody else. But again, I think it's another week. You have to have lower expectations. Savon Diggs comes in at wide receiver 12 for me this week. Again, wide receiver one, if you drafted him, of course you're going to play him, but again, just lower your expectations. And what happens here is that you get to these rankings and everything like that. And, you can't just go like, okay, this guy's outside the top 12 or, or top 24 or whatever, and I got a bench him. You have to know your team. So what I'm saying here is you play these guys, but maybe you look down the rest of your lineup and you say, hey, you know what? I got to take a shot here or take or look to get some pop here somewhere else down the road on my lineup because I can't have the high expectation out of my workhorses in this particular matchup given what's happened, given the circumstances around that right now. So that's where we're trying to guide you through. Yeah, I mean, I think you make a great point. And just get back to the Josh Allen thing in the running game. One of the things that it was really concerning and that it needs to change this week for him to be kind of returned back to his good playing days 
Because they need, even if they were not going to run the ball, which they didn't run the ball a lot last year, they need to play action. They were they were on a play action over forty percent of the time last year. This past week they ran it fifteen percent of the time. So that's one thing we saw kind of you know the Titans really struggled with last week. They just forgot the play action pass. That's what helped their their quarterback be so effective the last few years. Well, Josh Allen, even though they're not a threat, they're always running the ball, having that threat that he actually could and drawing guys up allows him to get some skies open, makes it easier throws for him. So I think that's something that Brad Babel has to remind himself. He wants to get back to being in a higher, more aggressive offense. You need to throw some play action because this guy is not Tom Brady. So sit there and throw around, you know, 20, 52 passes within five yards of the line of scrimmage isn't his forte. No, agreed. And outside of Stephon Diggs, I know Cole Beasley got a ton of targets last week, but there's not a Bills wide receiver that I'm ready to yet play in my fantasy lineup outside of that either. We go to the Dolphins side of the ball. I'm not streaming Tua this week, although I do think the streaming for Tua will be coming soon. I do like what I saw out of that offense. They tried to stay aggressive against a good defense in New England Patriots to try to hit their weapons, and Will Fuller returns. As far as the wide receivers go and Will Fuller returning, we have to see exactly what happens. First of all, we know we have Travis White. Who's he going to be matched up on? Is it going to be Devontae Parker? Is it going to be Will Fuller? That'll kind of dictate some things. We also need to see exactly what the target share is going to be for all three of these guys with Will Fuller coming in. I like what we saw at Jalen Waddle week one. It was a nice showing there. And I'll say this too, for Parker, a guy who's available on some waiver wires out there, he's, it's more, he's more than 50% owned, but there are some waiver wires he is available out there. He was targeted the most with eight targets. Now, again, that might change with Will Fuller, but... One of our big issues that we had coming into this season was that there was no rapport, seemingly, between a Devontae Parker and a Tua Tagovailoa. This whole offense got confirmed that it's going to be Tua to the wide receivers. So I think ultimately there'll be enough volume for all three of these guys to be fantasy relevant throughout the year. I just may lower my expectations for this week, and if I can avoid playing a Dolphins receiver because I'd rather see how this whole thing kind of plays out, I would. Will Fuller comes in my wide receiver 45 for me this week. Uh, I do have Jalen Waddle and uh, Devontae Parker in that wide receiver four territory as well. I just don't have a high ceiling for these guys. This is a decent Buffalo secondary, and I still need to see how this whole thing plays out. I talk about this in the recap show. The one thing I will say is this. Prepare to be flushed. Toodaloo, Mike Gusecki, you're not part of the offense. He played half the amount of set snaps of Durham Smith, first and foremost. They had the same amount of targets. Tua wasn't even looking for this guy on the field. There's a whole litany of tight ends in that 8-16 to 16 territory or 9-16 to 16 territory that are going to be streaming. You can go. You can have a lot of better options than Mike Gusecki. Yeah, so for me, I, I look at it very similarly. I don't want, I'm a big Tua you know, fan, but I wouldn't play Tua this week. It's a tougher matchup for him. And one of the things I'm really concerned about for the Dolphins in general, is the offensive line is horrible. I mean, yes, com- it compared, it's, it's one of the offensive lines is one of the you know bottom five lines I saw last week. So I'm really concerned with them. Just and that's basically a big part of why Gasecki is somebody you can't be looking at right now because while two wasn't necessarily looking for him, he can't play because he can't block, and they had to have Smith out there, Smith out there because he's a guy who can actually help and keep you know to a standing upright. Um, and I think that's one thing you're going to have really struggle with. You kind of saw Buffalo have got pressure on, on Ben last week. They were able to kind of bottle up the running game pretty well as well. So they have very similar things that they can do to the Dolphins offense. If I'm going to play anybody in the receiving core, I'm with you. I would kind of want prefer to wait and see, but I might take a shot on Jalen Waddle because he has played a decent amount of slot. You kind of match up better. You're not. You're probably going to pretty much avoid Travis White. So I think if there's anybody I'm going to kind of play for the receiving core for the Dolphins, it would be Waddle. But I, I preferred, as you said, they can't kind of wait on the other two. You want to kind of see what everybody's role is going to kind of be moving forward. 
Yeah, I mean, the only Dolphin player I might play really this week, you know, barring not having better options, of course, is Miles Gaskin. He comes in. He's an RB3 for me. He's RB33 for me on the week and half when PPR leagues. Malcolm Brown did get involved. Savan Ahmed did get involved. Miles Gaskin still showed that he is the best running back of that group. And because, you know, the Dolphins are they're looking like a pass first team, too. His floor is safe in half point and full point PPR leagues. Is he gonna he's going to get thrown the football, especially well over those two. I was happy to see Malcolm Brown was not in there on too many third downs as a good quote unquote pass protector, like they somehow like him to be sometimes. He wasn't out there. It was all the was the Miles Gaskin show. So he has a safe floor. He's an RB three. He's a flex play, just not a high ceiling in this game. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. Gaskin is the running back that you want to use. It is annoying how the other guys are being implemented, particularly in the red zone and particularly using the rushing game. But having said that, it's clearly that Gaskins is the primary pass catcher in that backfield and should continue to be so. Moving on to the page. Oh, well, I'm sorry. Actually, we got to talk about the betting on this game. I kind of moved on because it's not a game I think I want to bet on. But I will say I have some interest. The Bills are on the road going to Miami. Miami is a home dog. They're at plus three and a half. If I am going to bet that game, it would be Miami with the points as a home underdog. Typically speaking, probability-wise, if you take the home underdogs, you'll win more times than you lose. And being that I actually think these two teams are kind of evenly matched, I'll take the home team with the points. Yeah, I can't argue that logic, but this is a game I definitely prefer not to be involved in because I think I talked about you know divisions being tough games, and we also see both these offenses are still kind of learning what they are and figuring it out. I'm not excited about either team necessarily, so I think it's a pick them, and I, just, I would try to stay away if I could. All right, so now we can talk about the Patriots and the Jets and how much, you know, this is the week where if you want to play some of these Patriot players, hop on the bandwagon. In fact, if you want to stream Mac Jones, you can this week. After the performance we saw at him last week, he comes at QB 15 for me, which is in that streaming territory of quarterbacks. Now, we're early on the season. There are no bye weeks. I would suspect you guys have better options, but maybe cheap DFS play because that Jets defense, whoo, 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 are they... Uh bad they are bad and i know you're gonna look at it and say well they only gave up 19 points last week we'll get in we'll talk about sam darnold and how you know his great performance <clears throat> mediocre wasn't that great uh but the jets are a terrible defense that you could take advantage of mac jones spread the ball around to everybody looked pretty good doing it nelson aguilar has some flex appeal uh jacoby myers led the way in targets he has some flex appeal uh Janu Smith is a guy who's in that top 12 territory for me. Him and Hunter, him and Hunter Henry pretty much split uh, the, tar- uh, the snap share last week. Both were featured. I think Janu Smith gets into the end zone this week in particular. Comes in tight end 13 for me with a little bit more upside. And then, of course, the big one that I'm most excited to play, Damian Harris. And that's the guy that we kind of have to talk about a little bit. Do you think that he will be in the doghouse after the fumble late in the game going into this week? You can never predict what Belichick or McDaniels <laughs> are going to do when it comes to running back position. Having said that, I don't really see the other options. Stevenson also fumbled. Now, he went in the doghouse as a result of it as well. But this guy was your bell cow, was a beast all entire game. He fumbled the very end, but it wasn't like an egregious fumble. It wasn't like he was holding the ball out or he was making it. Because basically, he was trying to make, gain an extra couple of yards, and he was trying to turn it out. And it didn't, wasn't a clear, easy fumble either. It wasn't like you saw this pop out right away. He was pretty close to the ground. So for me, I would think that kind of earned him some trust. This guy's never fumbled yet in his NFL career, previous to that, that game, and he didn't have a fumble problem in Alabama. The J.J. Taylor thing, 
I don't really see him as being somebody that you necessarily want to use out there. Because if I have anybody who I'm not playing this week for the Patriot offense, it might be James Wicks. I don't sure have to pass the ball. So that I don't really see what J.D. Taylor brings differently. Um, I think it should be Damian Harris. And even if they cut back a little bit on his touches, I still think he's going to have a really productive game. Because as you pointed out, we saw him Christian McCaffrey beast out against his team. Um, Sam Darnold had a great game. And he threw nothing but a five-yard passes primarily other than that bomb that, they, that Robbie Anderson and Matt Jones just came off a pretty impressive performance. Like I said, 10 completions over 280 yards versus a really good Dolphins defense. This isn't the Dolphins defense. So everybody else I'm very excited about. But I think the question is, is who goes off? Because I think everybody has the potential to kind of have points in this game. But you can, it's going to be kind of interesting to see, will it be Janu? Will it be Henry? Will it be Myers? Will it be Aguilar? Because there's so many different mouths to feed in the sense because all of them, go, all of them have great matchups. All of them. Yeah, no, no doubt about that. And that, and that's why, as you can see there on the graphic, Damien Harris, I'm not worried about the fumble. I don't think the doghouse will carry on into the following week. He had a very good game. He is the lead back. He's the most talented back. I think Belichick will let him get his workload in the, against the Jets. He actually comes in, even in half more PBR leagues, where I don't have him getting a ton of targets, as my RB14 on the week in this matchup, and will be a big DFS play for me as well. On the Jets side of the ball, not a <laughs> that offensive line is brutal, especially with Makai Becton going down. Zach Wilson's going to be running for his life quite a bit in this game. Uh, the only person I would even contemplate playing would be Corey Davis because he's the number one wide receiver. But you want to talk about a, a bust alert. And I wouldn't think normally I'd have to make that point, but because so many people were excited about Corey Davis coming in because he had two touchdowns last week, I feel like I do have to make that point. He comes at wide receiver 41 for me this week. He is outside my top 36. You should have better. I know Stephon Gilmore is not playing. You still should have better options to go to. He yeah, might have an okay. Playing and even well, better. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and he, he might have an okay floor because he will probably get the most volume out of everybody, but I'm staying away from the entire Jets organization if I can at all help it. Yeah, there's not a team that I was more disappointed at week one. I mean, I know Jacksonville put a, a big eggshell out, I mean, a big stinker out there, but this Jets team just didn't look prepared. And I, with all that coming in against a team, the, the Patriots, who's defensively, historically, always just destroyed the rookie quarterbacks, um, a poor offensive line, really guys, no, I mean, no big playmakers on this offense, and a weird rotation of receivers and running backs. I just think that there's nobody really that you want to touch at all. I mean, I love Zach Wilson. I feel bad for him this week. The one guy, like you said, maybe Corey Davis, because I do think regardless, he just, Zach Wilson will throw the ball even for cover to you. So there's one thing I do think that he has, he's going to probably get enough targets to be you know, semi-relevant this week. But he's not a guy that you're necessarily excited about in any kind of capacity because, like I said, J.C. Jackson's still out there and one of the better is, – is even a better PFF corner and rated corner than Stephon Gilmore was. So he's somebody that you you're not going to be excited about. But he's not a guy necessarily I would bench. Um, but, yeah, I am with you. I think this is, could be a total shit show. <laughs> and, and for the long term, by the way, still stashing Michael Carter. The running backs are nothing to write home about. I still think eventually he'll take over. Not playing him this game, but just future stash for Michael Carter. This game set. Patriots are road favorites at minus six. I'm hammering that all day, every day. Put all putting a lot of money on the Patriots at minus six. The over under set at 44 and a half. I'm gonna probably stay away from the over under this game, but I am going to smash the Patriots minus six against the Jets this particular week. 
Let's move into San Francisco and Philadelphia. And I can't spend too much time that I wanted to because we're running a little bit short on the rant that I wanted to go on for the San Francisco 49ers. But I'll just give you guys the bullet points. Uh, the beat writers in San Francisco are all useless. They're either all terrible at the job or they're getting paid under the table by Kyle Shanahan to not report news. You don't come out after the fact that Brandon Ayuk, oh yeah, well, of course he was, he was tailing, he was tailing off at the end of training camp. Of course he was. And oh yeah, of course Trey Sermon, you know, didn't win the job and was operating as the fourth string running back. We have eyeballs. We have eyes. We can see all preseason. Trey Sermon operated behind Raheem Mostert as the number two running back. There was no doubt about that. Everywhere preseason game, when they did their dress rehearsal game in week three, where the starters played, Trey Sermon came in right after Raheem Mostert. He operated as number one back in the game. Raheem Mostert didn't play. He was getting all the work in, in, in preseason. Like, we have eyeballs, okay? I hate you, Kyle Shanahan, first and foremost. Your ego is I – I, I don't even have a description for the size of this man's ego for a coach who lost, who blew two Super Bowls. For him to have the ego he does, it's absolutely – maddening to me and then you had the whole situation going on with Brian Ayuk which what I'll say to this is look part of it might be the hand I think it's a combination of the hamstring issue him not practicing a lot the last 10 days but it's also clearly whatever's going on behind the scenes uh Kyle Shanahan wanted to send a a message to to Brian Ayuk whether it's we're not happy with his effort whether it's that Kyle Shanahan, you know, doesn't like talented players because unless you're a guy Joe Schmo up the street who he made good in his system, again going back to his ego, he doesn't seem to have one have anything to do with you. But whatever the case may be, clearly trying to show him a message. For fantasy purposes, this is what you have to take away. Obviously, Elijah Mitchell was the number one priority pickup. He is an RB two for me this week. But I would not be shocked if Trey Sermon walked away from this game with more carries because that's how Shanahan rolls. And he will be activated for this game. I guarantee that because Raheem Mostert is out. So we're going to have to see what happens between those two. It might be a committee between those two. But you don't drop Trey Sermon and you don't drop Brandon Ayuk. You can't play Brandon Ayuk until further notice. Of course, he has to stay on your bench. But you don't drop the guy. He was a great talent, a great fantasy asset in his rookie season last year. And while I am perplexed and while this situation smells like a Dante Pettis situation for whatever reason, this is the organization that traded up in the first round to grab Brandon Ayuk. They, they're the ones who wanted him. They're the ones who have a personal investment in having him succeed. Otherwise, it looks very poorly on them trading up to get a first round guy who then ostracized after a, a good rookie season. So because of those factors, I think we'll be okay over the long run. It's just a mess of a situation right now. Oh, and they traded up for Trey Sermon, the other guy who was active last week as well. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think you do have to justify, um, you know, on the Belly Up for NFC Live show on Tuesday nights from 8.30 to 10 last week, I, I basically, uh, we had our top take of the week, and I, I, I think Kyle Shanahan hates fantasy football. I think that's what it boils <laughs> down to. I think that any time you think you have an idea what he's going to do or you try to play accordingly, players accordingly, you're going to be sadly mistaken. I, I think this should be a good game for Mitchell. I think it should be a good game for Ayuk. Who knows who plays? The one guy I'm not going to bank on this week is going to be Debo Samuel. I think that you played one of the best situations he could possibly match up. And this guy had his big play, basically on underthrown ball. He came back and caught. So he wasn't – I keep hearing how improved his past you know, receiving ability has been and how much he's been running by routes. I didn't see that. I just saw the team's blow coverage and him get, catch an underthrown ball and be able to run with it. So the one guy I was very impressed with, who those beat writers seem to just want to trash all offseason. Now they act like they know everything was uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, still starting quarterback, by the way, and still a guy who was actually very productive and looked great last week. Um, so I'm excited about Jimmy G. 
I do think he's a, he could be somebody that you necessarily don't want to have you roll out there, but in a DFS league or a two-quarterback league, he's the guy you definitely could feel confident throwing out there versus Eagles team. And I look at the offense. I disagree with that. The, okay. I, I disagree with that because now you have to factor in tra- a quarterback getting vultured in the red zone. So because Trey Lance might come in there in the red zone situations, I don't, I can't trust to play Jimmy Garoppolo in, in any format, frankly, because of that issue. I can understand that. I trust him just because I think that you can attack the Eagles secondary. I think, it, you know, Matt Ryan was terrible, but a big part of that was because the offensive line was just so horrible and they couldn't protect him at all. I do think that the 49ers can kind of attack what the weaknesses are, the Eagles in a lot of ways, especially with the play-action pass. So I do think Jimmy G has a decent floor, but I understand the vulturing thing. It is annoying and it's something you probably have to take into consideration. Um, and that's something you have to take into consideration for quarterbacks very often either. I know. It is, it, yeah, definitely, definitely a weird situation there. Um, but I, yeah, overall for me, I'm not really excited about any guy on the 49ers offense particularly because I do think you have so many question marks of who are going to be the guys. It's not a particularly wonderful matchup. The Eagles defense was pretty good you know, this past week. And it has, you know, a good front four. So it should be interesting to see how this game unfolds. And the 49ers are flying from the West Coast to the East Coast. So that's always interesting as well. Well, they did, but they did it early in the week. I will give them that. They've been in West Virginia for most of this week practicing and will continue to do so. So they're not going to have that late week uh, backlash that you normally would have. I think that was smart on their part. Look, I'm with you. I think Debo, Sammy, you have to... You can't have these high expectations, but he is my wide receiver 24. I am playing him. If there's a wide receiver, the 49ers, you can trust this week. It's that Debo at least will play and play in his role, but he will be probably, I would say, if Brandon Ayuk's going to be rotating with Trent Shurfield, will probably match up on Darius Slay more times than not, so you don't love that matchup. And then, of course, you're playing George Kittle. The big question is going to be, how comfortable are you playing any of these running backs? Again, Elijah Mitchell is my RB23. Trey Sermon is my RB38. I do think they'll both be involved. I like Mitchell's talent. I, he has the explosive capabilities. They will try to use outside zone run, which I think can be effective against the Philadelphia Eagles. If I have him I, and I picked him up this week, I will probably play him at the very least in my flex. But don't be surprised if Trey Sermon is heavily involved too. Just kind of keep that in the back of your mind if you, while you're going through your lineups. On the Philadelphia side of the ball, I, Jalen Hurts was very impressive. The last week was very impressive game. In general, Nick Serena, they built that offense around Jalen Hurts' ability, something you don't see very often in the NFL, something I was very happy to see them do. Even in a what I would say is a tough matchup against San Francisco at home, I have Jalen Hurts as my top five quarterback this week. Yeah, I don't know if I would be that excited because I do think the 49ers can still, you know, tackle, um, even though they, <laughs> they can still play some decent defense, I guess. Um, but I do understand that his upside potential, I was very impressed last week as well. I think that was you know a great game plan by them, and if they continue to utilize them properly, continue to attack teams with the, both the RPO action and utilizing the receivers and moving guys around, I do think he has a decent floor. I'm not as high as the top five, but I do definitely think if you have Jalen Hurts, you have no problem starting him this week. Um, on the receiving core, I wouldn't necessarily get excited about Riggers last last week's game. I think no, you I would got never. a lot of that. You got a little bit of it that came a lot of that in garbage time. Um, the guy I would be excited about is Devonta Smith. With the 49ers secondary is basically just who knows what's going to be depleted. Yeah. Yeah. It's basically on smoking fumes out there. I mean, there, there's no guys. You're going to have Josh Norman possibly being one of the starters. So I am excited about Devontae Smith. And I do think Goddard has a nice game as well. We saw the tight end, Akasin, have a nice game for Detroit. And I'm excited about these running backs. I think both running backs can have the effective game well, kind of catching the ball out of the backfield and being utilized, as well as Miles Sanders being one of the more effective guys. We saw both. Swift and Jamal Williams have really nice games versus defense. So I think the running backs are guys you can play with confidence. Devontae Smith, Hurts, 
and the tight end. Yeah, I agree with all that. Devonta Smith, top 20 receiver for me, just like he was last week. Dallas Goddard, top 12 tight end. Miles Sanders is my RB16 on the week. You can play all of them pretty much confidence because, again, you go back to the 49ers, Drake Greenlaw may not play. Javon Kinlaw may not play. It sounds like Armstead's going to, but they're a cornerback situation. Vareko's down at the ACL. You're going to have old man Josh Norman and old man Drake Kirkpatrick out there. So you like that for Devonta Smith, which, again, is why I go back to, you know what? I have Jalen Hurts as a top five QB because I think he's going to run. You always have that safe floor baked in. It's not going to be as difficult to throw the ball in this situation with an already banged up 49ers defense. So I'm playing all these Eagles with some confidence with all the guys that I would normally play. I'm not going to play Jalen Rager, as you said, and everybody else is kind of irrelevant. Zach Ertz dealing with the hamstring injury. He didn't practice yesterday. He is expected to play in this game, but Dallas Goddard was still the lead guy last week, even when they were both on the field. And I expect that to continue uh, this week as well, especially after I saw TJ Hawkinson have a good game against San Francisco last week. I want to take a quick break, get one more word in from our sponsor. We'll wrap up the final previews that we have for the early Sunday afternoon games and get to the mailbag segment. So everybody stay tuned to the MD's Fantasy Football Show, and we'll be back right after this. You can get championship footballs at championshipfootballs.com. They offer a 100% money-back guarantee on every single souvenir football that they sell. It's the coolest present that they'll open that day, guaranteed. There's nothing worse than trying to find the right gift for somebody that already has everything. Whether that special present is for a Tampa Bay Buccaneers fan or an Alabama Crimson Tide backer, maybe Gramps a lifelong Dallas Cowboys supporter, or your brother-in-law is in LSU Tiger territory. Know a member of the Baylor Alumni Association? Is there a better Father's Day gift? For someone who's a Kansas City Chiefs fan, send them the coolest present they'll open that day, guaranteed. Now, if your favorite pro team is the Buffalo Bills or those Minnesota Vikings, well, we're sorry about that. Also, if you're a New Mexico State Aggie or a Tulane Green Wave alum, not much they can do. After all, the name isn't nice effort. You had a pretty good season. Footballs.com. The name is championshipfootballs.com. The coolest president they'll open that day guaranteed. You're listening to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. Welcome back, MD Nation. Welcome back to the MD's Fantasy Football Show. It's week two previews. Talk about the Thursday night preview. We're going through the early Sunday afternoon games. We'll have some mailbag questions for you. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater. Join here with Chris Dowhower. Make sure you're catching the show live at Belly Up MDFF Show or on YouTube, the MD Space Football Show channel. Catch us later on from 6 to 7.30 on the Unhinged Radio Network, unhingedsn.airtime.pro. And if you have Roku, which I highly suggest you get, go ahead and download that Fox D Network channel. You can catch us on there as well. We're everywhere, Chris. Oh, and don't forget your pod, awesome. your favorite pod streaming apps, your favorite, whatever you want to stream your pods, where you can always catch us on the flip-flop. So we're getting through these games. I keep going to break before giving the bet of the last game. Uh, the 49ers-Eagle game right now. The 49ers are road favorites at minus three. The over-under is set at 50. If I'm going to bet anything on this game, I would actually probably take the Eagles plus three as the home underdogs. Give me the points. Just be given, I do believe San Francisco is still a better team here, but given all the injuries, the near letdown they had last week, this might be a game where you might see the Eagles squeak one out or at least get within three points. I'm going to take the Eagles plus the points in this one. Yeah, I know I'm taking a cop out for a lot of these, but this it seems like Vegas is too with these odds. 
This is another game that seems like basically it's a pick em. Usually when teams are favored by three at home, it's a pick em. But Vegas is basically telling you. And I think it's very similar. I think both these teams are really undefined. But I will say the one thing I'm really curious to see for this week is I think this this week will, will define with the 49ers how good of a team they really are moving forward. Yeah, I agree with that, too. All right, so let's dive into the Raiders and the Steelers. The Raiders pulling off, I thought, the upset of all upsets of the week because I thought they had no chance to beat the Baltimore Ravens. That game finished in, in crazy fashion in Monday Night Football. But getting to the fancy aspect of it, you're going against Pittsburgh Steelers defense, which is better than the, especially right now due to health, is better than the Baltimore Ravens defense. They played a great game against Buffalo. They go back into Pittsburgh. So the Raiders going from the west to the east coast. Josh Jacobs, while he fell into the end zone twice, he split snaps. Not, not that Kenyon Drake was just, you know, the passing down back, which he was. He split snaps with Kenyon Drake and was very inefficient. This doesn't set up to be another good game for efficiency wise for Josh Jacobs. So he makes, he makes my potential bust list this week. Lower your expectations. I have him down in the RB3 territory heading into this tough matchup because unless he falls into the end zone again, you might have a really low floor from a fantasy perspective. Yeah, it'll be kind of interesting to see. I mean, we weren't, I wasn't thrilled with the utilization of him. And it's also questionable how healthy he's good. He was, you know, has some practice yet this week as well. There are some concerns and he's, he's a little banged up as early in the season. Having said that, I actually thought he was while he wasn't super efficient, he had that 15-yard touchdown run. He didn't fall into it. He ran that in, and he was pretty quickly. And I, I thought there was some explosion there, so I wasn't necessarily as fearful. And we did see Devontae Singletary have a pretty solid game versus his Pittsburgh defense last week. So I don't think it's somebody you're necessarily excited to play Jacobs, but I think if you have him, you can definitely pull him out there as your flex play. Um, Drake is somebody I still want to be determined for me. I want to see it again. I want to see how much he's going to be utilized. Is he going to be a cream hunt this year for that backfield? Or is he going to have kind of games where he sparks and doesn't spark? The Ravens really struggled last week, you know, tickling in the middle of the field, basically, where Waller and Drake were utilized consistently over and over again. So Pittsburgh's a little bit different. Um, they have a better pass rush, like you pointed out. So these are guys I'm not so excited about. And I'm also curious to see how these receivers are kind of utilized. Um, the outside receivers have weren't recently used until the very last couple minutes of the game and then overtime. Will that kind of be a factor? Will it be guys that kind of push down the field? So for me, the only guy I'm really going to play for that the offense or the guys I'm playing for that offense for the Raiders will be Waller and Jacobs. I'm not as excited about Jacobs, like you said, but I also think it's somebody I would have in my lineup if I have. Yeah, he's going to play the flex for me because, again, he, he the one thing that was solidified is that they get in close. It's Josh Jacobs' territory, so he's going to have the touchdown upside. I just don't particularly I don't see another efficient game out of him. Again, I think it's gonna be another abysmal stat yeah. stat line as far as carries rush concerns. And you know, because of Kenya Drake, he doesn't really have any upside when it comes to pass catching. So there's just a real low floor here baked in for a Josh Jacobs. Outside of that, though, I mean you're playing Darren Waller. I ain't playing anybody else on the Raiders. So let's go to the Steelers. Najee Harris had a tough time last week. He did. I know. I get it. It was bad. The offensive line in Pittsburgh, shocker alert, is still really bad. The Raiders are not as good defensively as they looked. Don't buy into the week one hype of like, oh, maybe they're not as bad as we thought. No, absolutely not. Najee Harris, RB8 for me this week. I would be very excited for him to bounce back. Now, here's what I will say. If he happens to have another poor game, Kind of like Saquon, very much on my buy low radar if he happens to have another poor game, but I'm not expecting it to happen today. 
Yeah, I, I, I definitely agree with that. Um, I, I think Najee Harris, one thing you were excited about was the volume was definitely there. So he was he and he played almost the majority. He played all the snaps. One hundred percent, one hundred percent of the running yeah. back snaps, um, which doesn't really happen for guys anymore. No. So that part you're excited about, and they also got much better in the second half. Their offense couldn't do anything in the running game the first half, but they did have some reduction in the second half. So you're hoping that kind of some continuity building up for the offensive line. And as you kind of pointed out, this isn't a defense the same defense you're facing either. The Raiders' defense isn't good. Their linebacking crew has been in total flux this entire offseason to keep bringing guys in like every other day. Um, so that's not, it's, I think you definitely have the option. If you have Najee Harris, you're rolling him out there with confidence. He's got a chance to kind of bounce back. Like you pointed out, regardless, no matter what, he's got a great floor because the volume's going to be there. That was one thing we definitely saw last week as the rest of the offense. I'm excited about the receiver. I think Deontay Johnson's still going to be, has the opportunity to have a really good nice game. Uh, I'm not impressed by the Raiders corners and any kind of stretch of the means. And I think that you can probably much start Juju with some confidence. And if you didn't play Claypool last week, you could probably have a little bit of confidence playing Claypool. This is a flex play this week. Yeah, I have both Juju and Chase Claypool as high-end wide receiver fours heading into this matchup. The the one thing I will say, the Steelers' offense didn't look any different to me than it did. It's still a shotgun, Ben Roethlisberger-based offense, primarily getting the ball out of his hands as quickly as humanly possible. I love the volume for Deontay Johnson. Of course, you love this matchup. He is my wide receiver, 18. He's the Steelers' wide receiver I'm most excited to play. In Juju and Claypool's case, I think there'll be enough volume because it's the Raiders. The big play will be the, on the table for a Chase Claypool. Uh, but shocker alert, Juju Smith-Schuster is still the number two receiver as far as targets go on that team, like I was saying, all offseason long. So that takes away some of his upside ability because you don't know exactly what volume he's going to get or how much Steelers have to do to win this game. I, again, I know the Raiders shocked the world against the Ravens and were able to go toe-to-toe and able to take them down late in overtime. A lot of times it's hard for teams to come off of high emotional wins like that, especially going up against a good team on the road. I think we might see a really bad performance out of the Raiders team, I think, this week. But all about playing the Steelers that you would normally play, but I don't have high expectations for Juju or Chase Claypool. Love Deontay, love Najee Harris. As far as that game goes, loving the line. It's minus five and a half in favor of Pittsburgh. I'm hammering that all day, every day going into this game. Let's move on to the Saints and the Carolina Panthers here. Jameis Winston having a great performance last week. And as a result, because the Panthers are not good defensively, he actually is a streaming quarterback for me this week, coming in at QB 13, a high-end QB 2. Here's the big, and of course, you're playing Alvin Kamara. That goes without question. Here's the note that I really want to make for the Saints. Actually, two notes. I know Marquez Callaway on the box score was not targeted as much as Deontay Harris and Humphrey and those guys. But snap-wise, 51 snaps to the second most was Deontay Harris at 27. He is still very much the number one receiver on that team. They didn't move him around like I thought they would, so he wound up getting matched up on Jarrell Alexander for the majority of that game. He didn't get featured in that sense. But Carolina doesn't have corners that I'm worried about. I know they have the good rookie there in Horn. I'm not worried about him in his rookie season with Marquez Callaway. There is a big upside here for Marquez Cowley. Now, he's not a, a must-start for me by any stretch of the means, but he is a wide receiver three with some upside given the playing time that he had high-end wide receiver four at wide receiver 39 for me this week. He has that big play capability. He's definitely on my DFS radar. I definitely still view him as the number one receiver for the Saints. And then the other piece of note is that while I know Juwan Johnson is the one who wound up with the two touchdowns, 
Adam Troutman led the team in targets. Adam Troutman way outsnapped Juwan Johnson. He just happened to be one who got the red zone looks. Adam Troutman, while he's not played for me this week, is somebody that I'm looking at as a stash and stream down the road uh, as the season goes on. He will have that main tight end role. Yeah, and I think he could be an option to play this week. I mean, we saw Tyler Croft have a decent game last week for the Jets because one of the things you could do is throw it to the tight ends. So I do think that there's opportunity for him to have a pretty solid game. I agree with, with the Callaway point 100%. If you have Callaway in your team and you drafted him or you picked him up early on, you, you have, have this is him. the week you play him. This is the week you play him because you, you, your, your time is kind of limited until you get Michael Thomas back. So these are the matchups you're looking for and what guy you want to have out there. And to your point, yeah, he didn't lead the league and lead the team in targets, but they threw the ball like ridiculous low amount of times. They were destroying Green Bay the entire game, so he didn't have to be involved. Right. And seeing Jerry Alexander kind of added to that, nobody over on the whole offense had more than four targets. So it's not something you're like, oh, my God, you didn't, it's, it, you're just kind of waiting to see. Now, it will be really interesting to see for me what that Carolina defense really is because on paper they have a pretty good front four, and they were able to get a great pass rush last week versus the Jets. Now, I want to see how much of that was the Jets and how much was that actually their, their front four is pretty good. Um, so I do think there's still questions to be, you know, in, for Carolina's defense. But having said that, I think, you know, you'll have Kamara with confidence, of course. You could probably play Winston if you have the option, or at least a, a two-quarterback league. And I definitely think you can consider playing Chapman if you don't have a better option. Um, overall, I was still kind of waiting to see for Harris. I think he, he pretty much saw what he is. He's a big player, nothing. And he's pretty much you're probably going to consistently get moving forward. I don't think he has to be really that involved for this team to win big. So I don't, I wouldn't doubt I would take a chance on this week. Um, but I do think the other pieces or could be pretty solid plays. Agree. We go to Carolina's side and we'll just do the obvious real quickly. CMC is obviously a top running back. However, the Saints are very good at running backs. That's why CMC is my number two running back overall. And I made Dalvin Cook the number one just because there's maybe a little bit of a limitation there because of the way the Saints are able to take away running backs historically. And historically, Chris McCaffrey usually has some of his worser game, badder games, I guess you could. They still want to be pretty decent by the end of the day, but not his top-notch games against the Saints, historically speaking. If I'm a Carolina Panthers fantasy owner, here's what, you know, I have DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson, Terrace Marshall and all that. Here's what I'm doing. I'm holding DJ Moore because we got confirmation that the roles between him and Robbie Anderson did in fact switch. DJ Moore is going back to his old role, operating in and out, operating intermediate, operating short. He's going to be safe as far as volume goes because of the way Sam Darnold throws the football. Robbie Anderson, if you can sell him based on that 57-yard touchdown, do it immediately. Three targets in that game. He's not going to have a great game in this one. I know Marshawn Lattimore is not going to play. The Saints defense is still going to be superior and have a pass rush that's going to be in Sam Darnold's face all day long. I don't expect big things out of any of the Carolina wide receivers. In fact, the only one I want to play at all would be DJ Moore in this matchup. And I have him at wide receiver 38. So that's why you have, I'm a little bit concerned about the Carolina pass, pass catchers to begin with. If you can sell Robbie Anderson at all, get out now. Terrace Marshall had more targets than he did. Sam Darnold is very much captain check down, which benefits, of course, Christian McCaffrey, but also benefits DJ Moore. Other than a once in a blue moon shot, Anderson's not going to be that fantasy relevant. He falls into that category of wide receivers who could be a boom play, but you never know when you're actually going to be able to play him. And I'll add this last thing. Sam Darnold may have had his best game of the year against the New York Jets, and it was still average, ultimately speaking, and only put up 19 points against a Horace Jets defense. Sam Darnold did have his best game of the year and will have his best game of the year, and I 100% agree with everything you said. 
If you're going to play another receiver in this offense, it's going to be Terrence Marshall moving forward because it's clear that the slot receiver is somebody that Sam Darnold always prefers to throw the ball to. And if they're not going to move these guys around, Terrence Marshall playing the slot, he's probably going to see more targets than Robbie Anderson does by far. Let's move into our last game we're going to talk about today, which is the Denver Broncos and the Jacksonville Jaguars. Teddy Bridgewater looked pretty good, did what he needed to do last week. Uh, I know this is a a great matchup on paper. Still don't have Teddy Bridgewater in that streaming territory, though, because I don't think they're going to have to do a lot to win this game. I don't know how much Pat Sherman puts his foot on the pedal, so I don't know how aggressive overall he's going to need to be. So I'm still not streaming Teddy Bridgewater, but what you like out of him is how he got the ball out to everybody that he needed to. Jerry Judy being out means that I think you're going to see a, a feature around Cortland Sutton this week. Remember, he had the Bradbury matchup last week, and he was still on a snap count. I don't believe he will be this week, or at least he'll be a little bit more on leash this week. And you love, of course, the match against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Cortland Sutton actually coming in as a must-play for me this particular week uh, against this Jaguars defense. Again, I believe they'll feature him, put him in situations where he'll be able to play a little bit all around the field like he used to. I do like Cortland Sutton quite a bit. And then, on top of all that, Noah Fant, I was shocked how many targets he got. He got the eight targets that you need, even though Albert O was involved, even though Jerry Judy was involved, even though the running backs were getting involved in the passing game. Noah Fant, to me, is a safe top eight tight end play this particular week against the Jacksonville Jaguars. And I'm playing both running backs of the Denver Broncos this week. I don't know how you can't. Melvin Gordon, RB21 for me this week. Javante Williams, RB22. I have them back-to-back to each other. The only reason I have Melvin Gordon a little bit ahead is because he was more serviced in the passing game last week. Looked like he's playing more third downs. I would expect that to continue for at least one more week. So he gets that one spot nod over Javante, but both low-end RB2s for me. I think they both could wind up in the end zone in this matchup. Yeah, I mean, Texans, all three other running backs had a touchdowns last week, so it's right. definitely a possibility. And I don't think... If I had Bridgewater, I don't think he's a bad streaming option. I don't disagree that they're not going to throw, run the ball, that, throw the ball a whole lot to beat this team. But Tyrod Taylor was very impressive, like we talked about a little bit ago. And I think Bridgewater can have an easy an easy 200 to 300-yard game because that Jacksonville defense was just isn't, isn't any good. You want to attack it at all levels. So I think all these guys are good plays. Yeah, he, 100%. And then you go to Jacksonville side – Look, the reason I had Trevor Lawrence as a top 10 quarterback this year is because of the volume, because of the game scripts that they were in last week. I expect that to be the game scripts they're in for the majority of the season, where he has to throw the ball a ton due to volume. Now, I'm avoiding him this matchup because that Denver Broncos defense is for real. There's no doubt about it. That Denver Broncos defense is for real. I have him at QB 18 this week, so if I can avoid him, I will. Better days will be ahead, but I liked what I saw ultimately from a fantasy standpoint out of the volume. The running back situation, James Robinson, Carlos Hyde. Robinson played double the snaps that Carlos Hyde did, which you take away as, you know, a good thing. But at the same time, Carlos Hyde still outcarried him. And it, the usage was just mind boggling with Robinson in general. If you're playing one, I'm playing Robinson because at least what they did show is that he'll be the pass catching back of the two, which has more fantasy value, especially against the Denver Broncos where I expect them to be trailing. So he comes in at RB 25 for me just because of the garbage time scenario that he may have on his hands. But then also you have the wide receivers in DG Chark, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chanel. You like how many targets all three of them had. You like the downfield threats that DJ Chark had, but again, nothing more than wide receiver threes 
or most cases in Marvin Jones and LaVisca Chenault's case, more of a wide receiver four for me this particular week. Again, the matchup is just brutal. I think volume wise, they won't be total duds, but there's no ceiling here for anybody on the Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah, I 100% agree. This is an offense in general. I think a wait and see with, particularly against such a strong defense like this. Now, we did see the Giants receivers have a decent game, and Shepard with one of the big beneficiaries. Brian Callahan is usually a pretty good select corner, so it might be more of an abnormality versus you can trust Chanel having a big game this week. So I, I would kind of shy away from receivers. I don't think they're guys that you necessarily have to avoid playing, but to your point, I think they're you know, maybe, maybe receiver threes, definitely receiver four options if you have somebody you don't else to throw out there, you can put these guys out there. The guy I probably trust the most, honestly, Marvin Jones, because he seems to have the most chemistry with uh, Trevor Lawrence. But the rest of the guys, you know, they have a, they could do something. They could not do anything. I, I wouldn't really be excited about you, any of them. Yeah, exactly. So that does it for all of our preview games for Thursday night and the early Sunday games. So, guys, you know what that means. What time is it? The mail's here. Oh, by the way, I'm hammering the minus six. The Denver Broncos are favored by on the road against the actual Jaguars. We'll just put that out there real quick. Uh, Brady comes in. He asked me, I doubt it's Tom Brady, but it could be because it's Antonio Brown question. Do Antonio Brown versus Atlanta or Robinson versus Denver? I feel like we kind of just answered this uh, 100% Antonio Brown this week if you're playing in the flex. Yeah, to me, Robinson is one of those guys I would be looking to move if I could sooner than later. I'm definitely playing Antonio Brown versus Atlanta. Yeah, great point there, actually, because the second you get a good game out of James Robinson, sell him off immediately because you have no idea you're going to get out of Jacksonville from a week-to-week basis. Antonio Brown looked great. This is a great matchup. Sloan asked, do I trade Clyde Edwards-Alaire for Najee Harris? Um, Yeah, if you could do that one for one, absolutely pull that trigger. Sloan, I don't really see the move either be paying off for you, so I wouldn't pull that move if you drafted Edwards-Alaire. I'm sorry. like I know you hate Edwards-Alaire. And you want to go with Najee Harris is going to be so wonderful. Who did you have so ranked I, higher going into the season? I had them not very far from each other. And I just think it's a lateral move. I don't mind the lateral moves for running backs. That's not I a lateral understand. move. I think it is. That's not a lateral you know, move. Alvin Kamari offered me Christian McCaffrey would be a different story. But I don't think it's a guarantee these guys are going to be much different when, at the end of the season statistically. And I'd rather trust the Chiefs offense who has a better offensive line. And I will ride that out longer than I would just make this move for no reason. I'd rather take the that, no reason. The volume for Najee Harris guarantees he will finish ahead of Clyde Edwards-Alaire. There's no, there's no worries about him not getting red zone looks as the season goes on. There's no worry about him not getting targeted because the quarterback doesn't check the ball down. That that's absolutely Najee Harris is a whole team. How, how, how many yards you Clyde Edwards-Alaire? He didn't have an efficient game. Last, didn't have efficient game oh, last week. The volume will win out by the end of the year. The volume will win out at the end of the year because Clyde Zolaire wasn't much better on a much better offense that scored a lot more points because he didn't have the volume. That's absolutely ridiculous. Najee Harris is a whole tier above Clyde Edwards Zolaire. Make that trade, Sloan. Will, you're up. Trade Gaskin for and Javante for Saquon Barkley. I would probably do that deal in a redraft league. It was Javante and who? uh, Gaskin and Javante for Saquon in a PPR league. Yeah, I would I would probably pull the trigger on that deal. Although it'd be hard for me to give up Williams because I think that's somebody you like to the second half of the season, but I would pull the trigger on that deal. Last question, Marty. Do I a lot of trade questions? Do I trade James Robinson for Najee Harris? Yeah, one thousand percent. There's yeah. no disagreement on that one. I, I, you 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 said that as fast as possible. 
if I don't, I don't like, it wasn't like James Robinson had a good game. So I don't know why that'd even be on the table, but if it is, yeah, pull, pull the trigger on that deal. That's going to do it for the show, guys. I hope you all enjoyed it. Enjoy the Thursday night game tonight. Remember to catch us on the unhinged radio network from six to seven 30 on unhinged SN airtime pro. Remember we're going to be back tomorrow at 10 AM at a special time on social media at Billy FM, show and on YouTube, the MD's fans football show channel with a great guest Murph coming in from five yard rush across the pond. We'll talk about the Thursday night recap and the late Sunday preview games with the Sunday night and Monday night games as well. Everybody take care. Have a great night and we'll talk to you real soon. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.